Praise the Lord. Good to see you all. Uh, we will continue to learn about living faith as we focus on another example of great faith. You probably noticed by now we are looking into uh, you know, all these characters who encounter with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark and even Luke and, and Matthew. And, and we will continue to do that maybe uh, throughout this year, focusing on Jesus Christ. Now, Oh, actually, uh, let's just dive into the passage, and it is my prayer that the Lord will speak to your spirit through these words, and, and that you will be encouraged and refreshed in power to continue to develop your living faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? <laughs> Here, we see Jesus enter into a certain house in Tyre. Uh, Syrophoenician region uh, is not in Israel. It's a border between Sire and Sidon. I'm not going to get into the geography here, but uh, it's you know very uh, be, be very much in Gentile region where Jesus hoped he might enjoy some privacy. Um, yet he could not keep his presence secret. After the ministry, he was tired. He wanted to kind of get away and be with his disciples and have some privacy, but, well, he could not keep his presence secret, he says, because his message was too wonderful and his deeds too powerful to be concealed. And his fame obviously preceded him everywhere he went. You know, everybody was looking for Jesus, want to be taught, want to be healed, and whatever reasons, they wanted to see Jesus. Now, and a, a Gentile woman heard about Jesus was in the area. She came immediately, as we, as we read, fell down at his feet. And we see the urgency of this mother's heart as she, you know, intrusively pursued Jesus. And just today, by the way, the demon possession is prevalent during the time. Uh, you might think that is this happening in, even in the 21st century? I'll, I'll, be assure, I'll assure you, yes, it does. It happens. And you'll be surprised to find out so many people, even in these nations, are suffering under demonic power. It's everywhere. That's why we need to be alert as God's people and discern and to see God. And as we are under the power of the Holy Spirit, as Holy Spirit resides in us, obviously we don't have to worry about that, but we need to fight and we need to discern. Amen? Now, Mark explained that she was a Greek or Syrophoenician uh, by race. Uh, this seems to mean that she was actually the Canaanite descent, uh, according to Matthew, uh, Matthew's account, a native of a Phoenician seaboard, a Greek in the, uh, in the region. Um, and of, of course, uh, those people, the Phoenicians, they were um, Greek in religion and even in speech. So this one was a Greek-speaking Gentile lady, the Canaanite lady. She was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. And the Bible says she kept begging Jesus to cast out the demon out of her daughter. Here, begging the word is actually in imperfect tense. That means kept. He kept begging, kept going. It's a continuous action. Like he was keep asking. And according to Matthew, 
she was crying out loudly and persistently. Uh, Matthew actually wrote that what she actually has said. She said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is a demon-possessed and suffering is suffering terribly. It's actually Matthew chapter 15. You can go into that if you like. But Jesus, interestingly, did not answer a word. Again, I'm borrowing from Matthew 15. I know that we just read Mark, uh, but um, the 7, but also Matthew 15 talks about this event. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed. She kept crying out loudly and persistently. Um, and interestingly, Jesus did not answer a word. She didn't, he didn't reply. So intrusive was this woman that his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. It's annoying. <laughs> it's a bothersome. Intrusive. Send her away for she keeps crying out after us even, not just you, even to the disciples. So imagine the scene. Jesus and the disciple want to have a privacy, maybe like personal retreats or so. Get rested. But all of a sudden, this Greek woman, Phoenician, Gentile woman, burst in and enter into the house and where Jesus is and you know, fell down on the feet and worshiping him and said, please help me. And she kept saying, and Jesus is kind of ignoring or not answering. And then all the disciples were so annoyed, so bothered by it. Jesus, can you just do something? Send her away. That's the situation here. Okay. But obviously the woman was very desperate, crying out for the help and mercy for his, her daughter. If you look at Jesus and how he replied, it's very interesting. Jesus replied by saying, I was not sent by God, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Meaning, you know what, guys? My priority of ministry here is not for the Gentile. It's actually for you, house of Israel. Jesus, send her away. Hey, hey, hey. Do something for her and send her away, the disciples are urging him. And he's answering to the disciples. Hey, let's not forget. I have to... I have a schedule to keep. Uh, I have to keep. I'm here to restore Israel. My ministry is for the first Israel. And then later, the time will come, the Gentile will get the ministry as well. But what happened in verse 25? She came and worshipped him saying, help me, Lord, help me. She wouldn't go away. She kept saying, have mercy, help me. So he said to her in verse 27, Mark 7, says, What? First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. You know, back in ancient times, especially in the Eastern context, they use hyperbole. They use hyperbole or they use some uh, illustration to, to, to talk about their point. They use parables to, to, to communicate to one another. And this was another, you know, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm here for the Israel people, not the Gentile yet. Right? He's kind of reminding uh, people, woman, I'm not here for you. And I know here, he used the word dogs, and you might say, what's going on here? Jesus surely used the 
um, diminutive form of the term dogs. Actually, it means little, it's not like a dog on the streets, or it, it's more so a pet. You don't give the food that your kids are supposed to eat to the little pets. Like, you don't give these things to someone else other than your kids. That's what he's trying to say. I know many feel that Lord's treatment of her seems very uncaring, almost harsh, even scandalous through the lens of today's culture. How can Jesus speak to a woman, especially minority woman, in such a way, right? Well, but you need to understand the cultural context here. Jesus was actually using the cultural norm to engage with her, okay? The culture of that day was so ethnic-centric that Jews actually did not like the Gentiles, calling them just like dogs. There were their terms for it. Vice versa, the Gentiles, Greek Phoenicians, hated Jews. Okay, it was not just the Jewish people discriminating against the Gentile. Gentile also hated Jews as much as Jews hated them. So that was very much what was happening there. Okay? But using such no cultural norm, not that Jesus was, uh, you know, emerged in that kind of culture, of course not, but using that kind of engagement, Jesus actually reveals the quality of this woman's faith by challenging her. He's actually developing even stronger faith in her. She's, he's kind of teaching her, but as she's engaging and using this cultural norm. Woman, you're a Gentile. I'm, I'm a Jew. Why are you here? Like she's trying to teach, find out her intention. Like what, what's going on? He's engaging with her. And you know what, woman? Not only ethnic-centric culture that he's using, he's also reminding the disciples, hey, Ministerially speaking, we are here for the Jews. When we are here right now to rest, that's our priority. Again, she, Jesus was not neglecting. Jesus was planning all these things to teach everyone, including all of us, including her, the woman, what great faith is all about. Okay? So in this marvelously designed way, Jesus placed several obstacles in her woman's path. And each of which, as we see, she overcame with a radiant faith. Amazing. That was Jesus wanted to teach people in that moment. Now, what was the Gentile woman's, this Syrophoenician woman's reply? This is a great display of great faith. With remarkable insight and persistence, she actually replied, Verse 28, Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She's using and replying the illustration of Jesus to reply. Fine, even the dogs under the table, the puppies under the tables, we eat the crumbs. Share some blessings now. I'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But that's what's happening here. Perhaps she saw a glimpse of hope in the word Jesus used. First, I'm going to take care of the children, and I'm going to take care of the rest. That first, that means it's going to help us too in the future, right? So she says, it's not that Jesus is saying, I'm not going to help non-Jews people. No, the time has not yet come. At least there is a hope. 
And Jesus responded to this woman as she says, Fine, Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs. And how much more we should get some blessings from you. Right? That was her reply. And Jesus said, For this saying, you, for your reply, where you reply, for that, which is a demonstration of her faith, the demon has gone out of her, your daughter. Go, be at peace. Amazing. This saying, her reply to Jesus, evidence a great faith on her part. Matthew recorded this in verse uh, Matthew 15, 58. He said, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. And because of her great faith expressed in her thoughtful exchange with Jesus, Jesus granted her request for a miracle. By the way, there was only two times in the book of gospel Jesus mentioned about great faith. First one was who? The Roman centurion, remember? Second is a Syrophoenician woman. Notice those two people are Gentiles. Isn't that interesting? He did not say or compliment any Jews during the time for great faith. It was Gentiles who received such praise by Jesus. Gentile, minority, and woman. Isn't it amazing? But anyway, that was one of my observations. So I want you to see the cry of her mother. I want you to see the challenge that Jesus sets before her to develop her faith and the blessings of the table, the crumbs she gets, the blessings. Okay. With that in mind, consider the following observation about this great faith of, of this woman. First of all, she had informed faith. Informed faith. This woman, though Gentile by background, had obviously been exposed to information regarding the Son of God. This is evidenced by the fact that she addressed him what? Lord, Son of David. Right? The Son of David, the expression, the title, has its root in the Old Testament. The prophet has announced that the Messiah, the Christ, would descend from the royal lineage of David. If you look at 2 Samuel chapter 7 or Isaiah chapter 11, and you will hear all these things. Through the line of David, through the lineage of David, the true for king forever, the forever king will come. The son of David. Okay? That was the prophecy. Somehow this Greek Greek woman, the Phoenician woman, knew all this. Usually the Gentile would not cry out, help us, the son of David. Usually it's a Jewish response to the Messiah. Messiah, the, the son of David, please help us. But all of a sudden she uses the same language of the Jewish people. The son of David, please, Lord. That means she was informed. She knew of some Old Testament knowledge or at least the prophecy of the promised Messiah, of the Jewish Messiah. Interesting, isn't it? 
That knowledge of whom Jesus led this lady to what? A great spiritual insight, I believe. She was not asking the Lord to alter the way of his way, the planning for, the, for, for his ministry to, to accommodate all the Israelites first. No, she said, fine, you want to restore Israel? You're the Messiah for the Israel, the people of God? Great, but you know what? Even the crumbs we get, even the puppies, if you just buy near to you, these little pets even get crumbs. That means how much more I understand that you are here and then you do your own thing. You are God. You are the Messiah. I understand. But I'm here. Might as well give me some share of blessing. Interesting, isn't it? She was simply asking for a crumb. Faith is based upon what? Understanding the will of God. Will of God for Jesus is to restore Israel first and to the world. But it was founded upon the knowledge, not mere emotions. She knew exactly what she was talking about. That's why she did not even reject the idea. How come you don't care about the Gentile? How come you don't care about you know, woman? How come you call me dogs? I mean, she doesn't even go to that. Fine, you are the Messiah. Fine, you are the Messiah of, of the son of David. You are the Messiah of the, the Israel first. Fine. But you know what? Can you, even the pets next to us gets crumbs. How much more am I here with you? Give me some. Do you understand? She knew exactly who he was. He was in, she was informed. Her faith she had an informed faith. My brothers and sisters, I told you the Bible says the knowledge of faith. Faith does not come just by experience, through experience of things. Faith comes from hearing the message about Jesus, hearing about the word of Jesus. That is a very powerful thing. So many people cry out, oh, I want... Miracles. If I experience the miracle today, I will believe in Jesus Christ. You tell that to the people who died in the Exodus, all the Israelites who actually experienced great miracles after great miracles. Can you imagine parting the Red Sea in their own eyes? Can you imagine how God was pouring down food upon them every morning? They experienced such a powerful hand of God upon them. He says, by night, the God's presence was with them by, as, a, as a fire, stool of fire, pillar of fire. During the day, pillar of cloud, leading Israel people, about two million people. Imagine that. Every time you wake up in the morning, you see the cloud in front of them, leading them. Power of glory of God. At nighttime, the, the heat, fire. That's why they kept themselves warm in the desert, in the, in the wilderness. Amazing, amazing miracles they see, they experience, I mean. But none of them made into the promised land. Everybody shrunk back, according to Hebrews, book of Hebrews. Everybody shrunk back in their faith and destroyed in the desert. Only two made it, Joshua and Caleb. Why? You tell me the miracle is going to cause you to believe in Jesus Christ? 
No. What's consequently faith comes from what? Hearing the message of God, the word of God. You have struggling with believing in Jesus? Read the Bible. Hear the message. Keep reading. Keep hearing. Faith will, will develop in you. You struggling with your faith now? Uh, once I believe, pastor, but I lost the fire in my, inside of me. Well, I need, I need some kind of prayer overing me, over me. And fill me the Holy, fill me, help me to fill me the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that can happen too, but first, seek the word of God. Why are you only listening to the words of the world through medias and you never bother to listen to the word of God through the scripture? No wonder your faith is diminishing. No wonder your faith is dying. No wonder Christians, so-called Christians, we live a defeated lifestyle. There's no difference between us and the world anymore. This woman had an informed faith. She knew the promise of Messiah. Amen? Secondly, she had devout faith. Such devotion. Three times in Matthew's record, the woman acknowledged Jesus as Lord. The Lord, kurios in Greek, it means what? Lord, meaning usually they usually call God the deity Lord. She does not lightly use them Lord as evidenced by the fact that she fell down. Actually, Matthew 7, 15, 25 actually said she worshipped him. She worshipped him. Prostrate before the feet of Jesus and he worshipped him and crying out, have mercy, my daughter is demon-possessed. Help mercy. Cap. Crying out. So she obviously believed Christ's miraculous power, his goodness, for she asked mercy. You are a good man. You are a good Messiah. You're a good God. I worship you. And please have mercy. If she did not know Jesus was merciful and gracious, she would not use these kind of terms. You know why we cry out to God, Lord, have mercy? Because we know that he's merciful. We don't say, oh, have mercy on me for the, from the, for the, uh, to, to the evil people. They're not going to show mercy. That's why when you're fighting against the devil and its schemes and demons, do not ever say, Oh, they're going to have some mercy and pity on us. No, there's no mercy for you, the enemy says. Only God gives mercy because he's merciful. She knew that Jesus was gracious and merciful. And that's why she cried out, have mercy on me. Where did she learn again? Does this, this thing, by word of mouth, maybe? Has she journeyed over the Galilee and watched him cry we don't know exactly what happened. But one thing though, she believed in the person of Jesus. She believed him. My question to you, if Jesus is the Lord, your God, do we or do you utterly submit to him in your life for all things? Or do we pick and choose I will submit to you, Jesus, as long as you do not tick me off. 
as long as you don't hurt my feelings, as long as you don't tell me what to do, things that I don't want to do, things that I want to do, don't touch. Everything else, I will listen to you. If Jesus is the Lord, do you utterly submit, fully submit to his authority? That's the question you need to ask. We need to ask. Do we take the word of God, the Bible, the scripture as a full authority? Highest authority. And this is a weird question maybe for some of you, but this is the question now being challenged amongst Christian church today in America. We don't fully, Christians don't fully believe in the inerrancy of the Bible nor full highest authority as a Bible. It's a problem. She had such a devout faith. How is your faith? How is my faith? Third, she had a persistent faith. Jesus once taught, Ask and you will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and you will be opened upon, to you, upon you. Again, continuous action here in the present tense. Ask now, continuously. It will be given to you. Seek, cap, keep seeking. Keep knocking on the door. You will be opened to you. That's the principle of prayer, isn't it? We keep asking, we keep knocking, we keep seeking. Jesus taught that in Matthew 7. Now, this lady understood that principle somehow. This Gentile woman somehow understood that principle. And her faith was most tenacious. She kept asking, she kept seeking, she kept knocking. To the point where the disciples were bothered. Don't get me wrong, my brothers and sisters. God would never be bothered by you. Jesus was not bothered by her. Disciples were. Jesus was teaching her, developing her faith. We need to know that. God doesn't mind when you cry out to God in 2 o'clock in the morning out of the desperation of some situation. Jesus will never mind that. You can talk to him anytime. You can talk to him anywhere. My second daughter, who's seven, asked me every night. We pray together, and I bless her, and I, you know, we talk about Bible stories, and you know, engagement is great. And she goes, "Does God ever sleep?" Innocent question. I said, "No, he doesn't sleep." He never sleeps. He's God. That's why we can call, cry out to God. He watches over us. He's with us 24-7. No wonder Jesus said, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. And she knew the tenacity of faith, persistent faith. So as suggested earlier, the Lord placed those barriers in our way, right? The cultural barriers, even some theological barriers, right? First to the, the, the Jews and, sec, and then the Gentiles. Like all that. But she didn't care. 
She overcame them all. This is a clear evidence that Christ was developing, helping her. So when she initially made her request for mercy, Jesus intentionally answered not a word. Right? And you'd be serious mistake to assume that Jesus' silence evidenced a lack of concern. No. It was planned. Did you know, sometimes the Lord Jesus does not answer right away so we can grow and mature our faith. Did you know that? You know, God never unanswered our prayers. Even silence is God's answer. Have you ever thought of that? You pray for God, but it seems there's no reply, but there's a silence. Even that is an answer. Did you know? There's a reason, perhaps, unknown to us, but known to God. Maybe it's not a time for you to receive that. Maybe he will help you to recognize the intention of your heart. Maybe he's maturing your faith. Maybe he wants you to be persistent and enduring. Maybe he's all kinds of things. I don't think he never answers us. He does answer in different ways. And silence sometimes is another way. You and I will not like it. Of course not. I hate it, yes. But who cares if we don't like it? Know that God is God, and he answers according to his perfect plan. Amen. So disciples suggest that the Christ hurriedly grant this woman. But as we know, he waits. And what happened? She doesn't give up. Hey, you're a Jew. I'm a Jew. You're a Gentile. Why are you asking me? I don't care. Hey, I'm here for the, for, the, for the Jewish people, not for the Gentile people, not yet. Later, yeah, I will send this guy named Paul. She says, why not now? <laughs> I'm here. Just let the pet, a dog next to us get something. I'm here. That's what she's saying. I understand what you do. You, you do what you do, but you know what? I'm here. Now. Please help. Wow. Persistent, isn't it? Enduring. And what happened? She would be satisfied with even the crumbs of master's table. That's all I want. Just little crumbs. Just part of your blessing. Now, help me. What a great faith. All I need is just a little bit. Right? Just crumbs of your blessing. Give it to me. You'll be enough. Do you have that when you come to church? Of course, we want to get full whatever that God has in store for us. We want to receive it. But the attitude should be, you know what? Just a little bit of God will be enough for me today. Just a little bit of experiencing Jesus today will be more than enough for me, Jesus. Please, I want to experience you today. Do you have that kind of 
tenacity of faith, persistent faith. I'm going to pray, but it seems like you are in silence. But you know what? I'm going to keep going until you answer me. Help me, God, to understand your answer. Do you ever do that? Or do you give up and you start blaming him? God doesn't answer. He doesn't care. He's harsh. He's not good. What a woman. What a faith. She doesn't give up. I think this Syrophoenician woman taught us that the great faith actually endures. Look at the attitude of faith. I want to endure until you you answer me. I'm not going to give up. You can say all you want. I'm not going to move. Please, let me have some crumbs. Yes, I'm a Gentile. Who cares? Yes, you said you're for the, for the Jews. Fine. But now, why not now? You're going to give to us anyway in the future. You said first, but why not now? I'm here with you. Man, resilient. How can you say no to that? Jesus says to her, what a great faith. <laughs> the second person to receive that kind of compliment. None of the Jewish, none of the disciples had that kind of faith. She had. Centurion had. <laughs> I don't know about you, but this is incredible. What a faith. We need to learn from her, don't you think? Especially times like this. We're living in a very corrupt, depraved generation where the truth is being challenged in every facet of our society. How are you going to keep your faith? You need to ask God for mercy. We need to endure. Enduring faith. That's one of our core values, isn't it? Endurance of faith. Fourthly, she had selfless faith. Although the Syrophoenician woman had a cry to the Lord, have mercy on me. What was she, what was she there for? She was asking for her daughter. It's a healing. She was not there for her. She said, Please help my daughter. Her passion was so directed to her daughter. Jesus, you can call me whatever you want. You can give me other reasons not to, not to give us, give me what I need. But Jesus, I'm here for my daughter. She, she needs to be healed. We need you. Such a sacrificial spirit is truly refreshing in a day when child abuse is such a common tragedy. We don't care about our children anymore as a generation. We abort them even they even have a chance to have life. Selfless faith. He's, this woman demonstrated that great faith seeks the welfare of other people. Those who trust in God will intercede for others. Did you know? We are called to intercede for the people around us. We got to pray for our family members, pray for the church, even pray for the non-believers, pray for the people around us. 
we have to believe God for them as well. Didn't we learn? These four friends of the paralytic, remember? By those four friends, in response to four friends, faith of four friends, Jesus healed paralytic. Remember? In responding to your faith, Jesus might save some. Though I know for my own, my life is the product, byproduct of my parents, my grandparents' faith. They've been praying for me. You know, my mom prayed for my wife ever since when I was a little boy, baby. You know, I pray for my kids, my, spouse, my daughter's spouse in the future. I pray for him or pray for them. Though part of me pray that the Jesus will return before they get married. <laughs> but I do pray for my future sons-in-law because I was taught by my parents to do so. Do you pray? Do you believe for others? For the welfare of others? How, mo- how much more we ought, must we to be concerned about spiritual warfare of those whom we love? Have mercy upon us, Lord. Have mercy upon my husband. Have mercy upon my wife. Have mercy upon my children. Have mercy upon my friends. Who is going through? You know what, my brothers and sisters? What about have mercy on our nation? We need to pray. We need to have such faith. It's not about you. It's about God. All I ever hear is, You pray for yourself. Just what I want, what I feel, what I need. Do you have you ever pray for others? We are even taught to pray for our enemies. (laughs) Think about it. She had faith fitly. Based on humility. That's something we can also learn, isn't it? The Gentile ladies show the relationship of faith and humility clearly here. Her humble attitude complemented her genuine faith. Great faith is seeing one's complete dependence upon God. You know why her faith was great? Because of humility. She displayed. Basically, she's saying, You're the only one. I'm nothing. I'm in need of you. Great humility. But nowadays, people get so offended by the little things. And as they're being offended, bothers them to come to God. 
I'm so offended by this passage. How can Jesus call her dog? Scandalous. You're missing the point. She was humble. She gets the compliment that no one gets because of her humility. And her humility was based on her faith. And the faith was even more complimented because of her humility. Think about that. Do you think we are entitled to receive God's mercy, my brothers and sisters? Really? Do you think we are so entitled that we deserve God's grace? We don't deserve any of God's grace. We don't deserve God's mercy. He doesn't have to save the world. But knowing that he is merciful and gracious, he gave his only son, Jesus, to us. The fact that we know how God is, that's the only reason that we cry out to God, have mercy on me. He doesn't have to, but he does. But we are not entitled to receive God's mercy. But we act like so many Christians today, oh, I deserve better. No, you don't deserve better. We don't deserve better. We deserve judgment. We deserve all these problems. Yes, because we are that weak and stupid. I'm sorry to say the word, but that's who we are. Know it. But because of his grace and mercy, he chose to, to save you. Now you know the knowledge of saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And now you can live a life beyond your dreams, beyond your comprehension. Now you, you have meaning of life, the purpose to, to, to live every single day. Now we can have a loving relationship with Christ and with God and we can call God Father and even though we make mistakes and fall into sin, we can come back and we can repent and we can be revised. That's because of His mercy. But if we do not understand our position, our place, in the place of humility, we will Shrink back in our faith. She had faith based on humility. Think about it. Last but not least, she had an active faith. Especially in the dire situation. This mother illustrated the connection between faith and desperate circumstances. Great faith will rely upon the Son of God when times are desperate. What do you do, my brothers and sisters, when things happen? Do we come to God or do we first try to solve it on our own? If you are in a desperate situation, stop complaining or blaming. Start complying to Christ. Start coming back. Ask Him. 
I don't know what to do. You don't know what to do in the midst of all kind of desperate situation and you are so stressed out and you just can't function right and you feel like giving up and you start to have this animosity against the certain people or certain world all over around you instead of complaining, instead of, instead of blaming, instead of worrying, first come to him. What are you waiting for? If you truly have faith that Jesus is the only one, act upon it. Are you going to believe in Jesus when things are only good in your life? That's not faith, my brothers and sisters. Faith matters when things are tough and hard and difficult. You have a relationship problem? Do you ever pray? Oh, we're so, we are so busy talking to our people around us about it. When you have a problem in your work or looking for a job, do you like wake up in the morning, early in the morning and seek God? Don't you? When you have a hard time in your academic career, don't you wake up in the morning and Seek him and ask him for the wisdom. Why not? This woman did. Demon-possessed daughter. She couldn't get the answer. So she, what does she do? She goes to Jesus. Faith becomes stronger in times of distress for those who fully depend on God. Faith becomes weak in times of distress for those who do not have, who do not depend on God. In other words, is your, is your faith going to grow even more in the times of trouble or is it going to diminish? Something to think about. She didn't give up in times of desperation. You cannot give up. We need to keep believing. Amen. Keep going. Lord, I want to believe. Struggle with your unbelief. Lord, help me to overcome my unbelief. Keep going. In your desperate situation. Oh, the Lord will help you. That's what he wants. One time, again, my daughter asked me, how can I make God, how can I please God? So I used the memory verse that we did. I said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Jesus said in John 15, 14, the work of the Lord is to believe in the Son of God, whom the Father sent. You know what's the work that you need to participate in? In the work, our work of the Lord? To believe Him. What does God want from your life? He wants you to believe Him. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to have faith in Him. That's what He wants. That's why. Hebrews eleven six says what? 
without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that what? He rewards those who earnestly seek him. He loves it when we actively seek him by faith. When we trust him, he loves it. When you tell him, Lord, I trust you, even though in this desperate situation and circumstances, oh, he loves it. Man, he believes me. Man, she puts her faith in me. Pleases him. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You cannot give anything, the material, to make him please. What he wants is your devotion of faith. Amen? Believe him, please. Trust him. Oh, he loves it. They believe me. They trust me. When the whole world is against them, they still put their trust in me. I don't know about you. I want to have such faith. I want to have this kind of faith. Especially when she, Jesus is complimenting her for her great faith. I want to have what she has. I want to learn this faith of all. Gentile woman. Let's pray. <clears throat>